We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a Welcome to the Arsenal Vision Podcast. They say Eskimos have 50 different names for snow. Arsenal has 19 different ways to lose away from home. We've just seen the 18th. It's called the Atletico. This was a failed Atletico. It was a cracking Atletico, but a failed one. This is Poznan in my pants, or Paul, as some of you might call me. Elliot is unable to join us today. As some of you may have seen... Elliot tragically passed away earlier this week. He's dead. It was a horrible, painful death. So he can't be with us. And Tim's a weaselly blog whore and needed to do something else. So he's not with us. But we do have the poet, philosopher, coach, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, Clive. And joining us first time, and we're quite honored, is Oscar Wood, famous from Twitter as Oscar Wood. Thanks, Oscar. Hello, it's good to be here. Yeah, great. Great to have you on board. I've been following Oscar for a while. I'm sure many of you have. He seems quite smart. Also, he occasionally tells people to fuck off, so that's good. I like that in a man. So, yeah, that was a game. Atletico showed us how to play with 10 men. I think we did a pretty passable interpretation of Atletico for, for quite a part of that game. But Clive, let's let you lead the charge here. Uh, any thoughts on lineup setup, how we started the game before before things began to go awry? Yeah, he went through some nice rotation. End of season fair, you know, nothing really to take from the lineup. I think you know Jack wasn't able to play, I believe, because his his wife's having a baby, um, so that took him out of the fray. Meza Erzl's got a twisted sock, so he couldn't make it. So um, so he was out of fray. <laughs> so um, he, yeah, I think he twisted his sock on the way to the cash point to pick up his wages, right? So, um, so, so not that I'm going to get too bitter because it's not that important, right? So, um, so yeah, so a nice bit of rotation. Good to see, well, interesting to see Maitland-Niles at right back. Um, again, yeah. I, th- I think that's a position that he could spend more minutes in. Um he just shows you what a real talent he is, but we may touch on him later. Um, and holding, I think he's well overdue those minutes. Um, he probably, you know, he looks a little bit, you know, rusty in the game, but understandably so. He's not playing under twenty-three games. He's not playing many games, so um, he was well overdue those minutes. So he got some time on the pitch, which was good. 
so yeah, I you know I'm a fan of three at the back, Paul. So I, I just have to cry myself to sleep about it. It's not going to happen. Even the fact we've not got a single point away from home, well, I may just decided that we look stable enough as we are. So um, you know I've moved on from that emotionally. So um, so yeah, we just went to our normal sort of more of a V-shaping midfield now. We've seen a, a rule three with the number 10 moved out of the way. So we've seen three in there, which is nice to see. So yeah, more of a 4 3 3 shape, which was, which was nice, but nothing spectacular for me. Cool. Um, Oscar, your thoughts generally, but uh, picking up, maybe starting, take this one away from Clive, but uh, Wobi, uh, he's had a few games recently and variable opinions out there. Uh, his, his last game, I thought, was quite hit and miss, but actually he was very involved in many of the big big plays, uh, kind of assist, pre-assist kind of stuff. He, he was really involved in some key plays, and I thought he looked quite tasty in this game. What's your thought on the lineup in general, Awobi, Mkhitaryan's balance, and kind of generally how you see Awobi doing at the moment? Yeah, so as Clive was talking about with the V-shape in the midfield, it seems that Iwobi's been the guy they've moved back into that, that sort of central midfield role. And I think in the, in the games he's played there in the last few weeks, he's done really well, actually. I think he was really involved on on Sunday against Burnley. I think he had the most passes in the entire match. Uh, played that role again today, um, yesterday. And I thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, it's hard to really assess the match once, given we went to 10, down to 10 men so early. But yeah, I thought he was pretty... He's a pretty big part of, of the good bits we did in in the throughout the game to us. The game sort of yeah, spread out, didn't it, Oscar? A little bit. The game spread out a bit of basketball, like we were at ten. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's very open. So it's very hard to sort. It's very. Hard. I was looking at the midfield, looking at the at my TV, thinking there's a lot of grass there, not a lot of not a lot of shirts with Arsenal on them, right? So um, just lots of people sprinting from zone to zone. I mean, as, as a, a jack of all pivot with only two with a couple of wide men and one strike in front of them so it's always going to be an open game but mm. yeah so uh what i thought i saw with the Wobi was more quality this time round. um in turn just in terms of his overall touch and passing was a lot cleaner than maybe the burnley game uh even though his burnley impact was very high and you know he, he was involved in everything um, I was kind of I I I wa- my first pass of the game was I was a bit f- frustrated that he was a bit lose the ballish, but mm. when I looked back on it, his contribution was very significant. In this game, I thought it was very good, very clean, um, and helped us keep the ball. I mean, one of the things about being down to ten men, which we were very quickly, was we were mostly pretty good at moving the ball uh, up the field and through the lines especially in the second half, but even for chunks of the first half where I kind of thought we were more under the cosh. When I looked at it again, we did pretty good in that first half. Uh, sure, it was a bit more them, but Mkhitaryan, uh, Chaka, uh, Ramsey, uh, and Uwobi were all pretty clean with the ball when we had had it, I thought, and certainly in the second half. What do you think, what do you think Oscar? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we did pretty well with the, with the ball when we had it. Um, we'd not been prolific uh, in the scoring front away from home but I thought we created a, a decent amount given we only had 10 yeah and given our weight of us this season I, yeah. th- I think Paul I think um, what what those, what those players as soon as you as soon as I hear those names come out of your mouth right the first thing I think about is when they receive the ball and how they and how they shape it and how they can move it and I think I'm asking myself why are we why are we so easy to beat and I know this is not really a a game to to judge because the spacing obviously goes straight away when you go down to ten men. But there's just a lack of resilience about those players. There's just a there's not that consistent two way presence. I mean, I was even even thinking on the goal we conceded. We had an opportunity to play forward. We decided to play backwards twice. We go backwards and across into Mavropanos, and has he? He looks up. He's trying to see an option as the ball's coming to him. He doesn't see one, so then he he's, he actually doesn't really control the ball very well. He sort of his body shape's all wrong. And I'm looking at Iwobi. I'm saying, come on, really sprint. Shall be an option for him. I'm looking at Colasinic, and there he's not quite showing. And so Mavropanos ends up choosing the the wrong option. Gets cut out. Reacts. 
and we the game story changes, right? So he comes back to, we talk about Iwobi, talk about that presence. When he's moving the ball forward and he's got the ball as he likes it and he starts to punt through lines, you're thinking, yeah, this boy can do it. I actually believe that's his position a bit deeper because I think it takes away the pressure of execution and final third for him, but he can definitely travel the distances. But what he's got to be to make that work, much like a lumber of our midfield players, I, I would say to him, you've got to be consistently present in the game, not just in the moments where you like the ball. You know, think about when we haven't got it, can you have the right shapes? Can you dig in? Can you show the right resilience? And that's what we're missing. And I was watching the game again today thinking, how have we lost this game? Let me have a look. Okay, resilience and youthfulness. Those are the two things. So we, we had almost too much youth and we had didn't have enough resilience in the pitch. And um, I think when you have that, you, you lack consistent presence and concentration on all the movements in the game. And that's how we're getting rolled over, mate. Yeah, I think Ainsley, Maitland, Niles, I mean, that ball back to, uh, we're apparently allowed to call him Dino now, which okay. will uh, save a few headaches. That's good for me. Um, I, I thought it was a good ball, but it was a surprising ball and not one that uh, Dino would have thanked him for yeah. in his kind of one of his first ever starts. That's what, three in a row. Um, but it certainly brings you back to the Wenger line about, you know, you have a duty to play and develop young players, but they're going to cost you. Yeah. And this was a game, maybe along with Burnley, where uh, Burnley worked out, uh, maybe more the United game where uh, youth cost us, even though the performance were good, the performances were good, the, dr- the clangers they drop will cost you a result. Um, but we've talked a little bit about Dino. Um, Maitland-Niles is beginning to clock up some games, and you could see where he could play on both wings for us now. I guess my question to Oscar, if you're looking at next season, and I no, most of us are keen to see him play in the middle, but does he still need at least another season, uh, especially with Arson's comments about how he needs to dig deeper, uh, maybe put some more pressure on himself to grow and develop? Is is he our left and right back, our new Oxlade-Chamberlain uh, cover for next season? Is that where you'd want to play him for the most part? I think so, yeah. I think he's going to go into next season as... Back up wide back and uh, an option in the middle. I mean, I actually think he probably could have played a lot more right back minutes this season, given that we've been running Bellerin into the ground in both competitions, and we've yeah. been resting pretty much everyone else in the team, but 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 except for Bellerin. So yeah, yeah. I was happy he got I was happy he got an opportunity last night. He did really well. So yeah, he does a passing Bellerin impersonation in terms of. Uh, pegging somebody back who's got a head start. That yes. that ball he knocked off the corner yeah, uh, the, pole. The, the recovery was pace was there, isn't it? Yeah, Diabati had like 10 yards on him. And, I mean, if I were that fast, I'd just do that all game long. That'd be so much fun. And he did actually kind of rise to the challenge. There was one stage, it looked like Vardy was off through the middle. It was in the first half. And uh, he gets called up off or offside. But Ainsley Maitland-Niles just puts the fucking uh, crosshairs on him. And, you know, nobody catches Vardy particularly. But I think Maitland-Niles was just gunning for him. Uh, Can't understand why a young man with that kind of speed wouldn't do that just all day long. Apart from it mightn't help his positional stability. But, uh, I mean, it's just thrilling to watch him in in full full flow. But, uh, Clive, against... Matched up against Diabate, he still seemed to let quite a few crosses come across. Yeah. And on the goal, um, you know, uh, Dino had a role to play in that early on in the the phase, he didn't clear the ball. There were probably five people who made a mistake in there. Um, And Maitland-Niles was covering the back post and didn't really put much pressure on the guy who knocked it back. Uh, yeah, and, and just there were three, four, five crosses where, not saying it was his fault, but they kind of, Diabate, he could track anybody for speed and he could cover them, but he wasn't cutting out the crosses. Yeah, so 
when people judge fullbacks, right? You know, just, just, let's just take it back a little bit. So when people judge fullbacks, like like Bellerin, they always look at his final ball, and I always think to myself, I look at his progression, how he plays wall passes, his energy, how sometimes he has to look after that right hand side on his own because Özil's gone to the left hand side, and he does it really, really well. And as Oscar said, we played him into the ground until it probably cost us in Atletico, right? So. Um, but so what I look for with Ed Bellerin, his biggest weakness for me is boxing out the back stick. So by that I mean back post crosses, tracking your man, making sure people can't get the run on you, and really protecting that area. And I think it's the weakness of, of Bellerin's. And I think no one no yeah. one ever talks about it, but in his own box he can be a bit loose. Everywhere else, I think he's fantastic. So much like Arsenal, in our own box, we are young and callow. And on that on on that goal, we didn't recover out of our box well. The second phase didn't do well. We let Mares come back in, and it smashes across the box, and, and Maitland knocks it back into the danger area. Holding's got a chance to clear, but it's Arsenal, right? So let's pass to the nearest red shirt. So he tried to pass it to Mavropanos, I think, and they get a second effort, and and, and we're back in, we're one nil down, and it just looks young and inexperienced. And to your point earlier, we have to we have to accept this. I think um, we've had some rave views about holding the end of last season, and Rafa Panos looked like you know looked like Bobby Moore for the first couple of games, right? But um, but he, he he looked he looked a bit nervous from the start yesterday. So um, again, with young players, you get one or two good ones and one or two bad ones. One or two good ones, one or two bad yeah. ones. We've been looking at it Wobi for two years, and we're wondering what what have we got there. You know, is he going to be Jordan Iber? Is he going to be a better player? Right? So. So yeah, I think we just gotta we just gotta wear it. It's it's not great. It's not it's not great to be the only team in the top four four leagues without an away point in twenty eighteen. That's not that's not great, is it? It's just not great. It's not a good look. I'm not a big on stats, but that one's smacking me in the face, right? <laughs> it keeps me awake. It's not good. So um so yeah, we gotta we gotta sort out. Yeah, Oscar, you've been looking at our away performances and our home performances. If I remember your your timeline tweets, any uh, any wisdom on what the hell is going on there? Well, it's a very strange one, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's probably one of those. Um, I mean, what's strange is that uh, traditionally we we haven't always been that bad away from home. I think if you look a few years ago, it was often it was often it was often, a, it was, often a, it was often the case that our it was actually our home form that let us down, and we were sort of second best away team and fifth best home team or something like that. Um, mm. It was really last season it started to go to go bad. I think it started with that consecutive away defeats at Everton and Man City where we took the lead in both of them and yeah. managed to lose. And really it was probably the the, the, the beginning of the end for the manager really. Um, as for reasons, I, I, mean, I, I spent the last six months trying to, trying to come up with reasons like that. I've been struggling a little bit. I think it's probably one of those ones that starts with a little bit of, of randomness and then it gets in your head that, oh, we're really bad away. We, we always lose away. And it, it just manifests itself from there. I mean, I mean, one thing Tim's yeah. always uh, alluded to is about how teams at, at their place, they realise they can get at us, they can get at us and, and contest us in the middle of the and. And that's a big weakness for us. Whereas when we're playing at the Emirates, they just sit off and and allow us to play in our areas and and get comfortable on the ball. Yeah, oh. it, it does seem like they they go after the fact that we've got gaps, we've got spaces. They're going to get chances. Um, I, I think my regret in this game was Atletico showed us that. If you sit back, the home team has the pressure on them when you're down to 10 men. And when we got that goal back, we we could have played a much cleverer cat and mouse. But we kept going like we were still a goal down and they were down to 10 men. We came at them like feckin' spider monkeys. And our game management, yeah, you know, the- Arson, I love the man, but he uses the term, you know, that we were naive. And... You know, if you're going to associate naive with any manager, I mean this in the most loving sense, you know, it's amazing that he doesn't see in his own reflection where the team's naivety is. 
Um, it's just it just seems almost a reflection of, of the manager, his philosophy and and uh, his love for attacking football. I think the game management point is spot on when you consider the fact that in the Watford, Bournemouth, Swansea and Newcastle games, we went ahead in all of them and managed to lose all four games. And I mean, I, mean, yeah. I don't think anything can sum it up more than that, really. Yeah. I mean, when as we got to 75 or 80 minutes here and we're getting a bit tired and, uh, I mean, they're hitting us on the counter <laughs> late in the game and it's like is is this is this game management shouldn't we be you know we're terrible poker so players we should have acted like we wanted to sit back so who's going to manage a game for us then Paul in this in this team in the uh, yeah. so this is this, you would you would expect that to come from the midfield yeah. correct? and what are they doing what are they trying to do all the time I mean, if you watch the game they're trying to break right they're trying to they're trying to break they're trying to travel um, well, the reason why, I'll tell you, I've got loads of reasons why we've been beating away from home so much. Right? we we got no brains. That's that's one. We don't feel the game appropriately. Unless it's a major cup game, We sometimes we, we walk on the pitch and I think we look unprepared. You call it naive, I call it playerish. We come out to play at all times. We have a purity about ourselves, a purity about how we look at football. And I'm afraid we encourage the opposition to have a moment against us. We don't look dominant physically. We don't look dominant technically. Right? So that tells you something. We're not going to... Most of the teams in the league have got a level of sports science and fitness now, which means they can move with the top teams. In days gone by, there was a gap between the top four or five and the lower teams. And now they can all sprint and run. They can all buy you know, athletes around the world, scout them, and they can run. So you've got to beat them with quality. You've got to beat them with technical security and game plan and flow and speed and directness. And you've got to challenge these teams mentally. And I think we make them feel comfortable. We play in front of them. We don't recover quickly. We, we normally get punished for our first mistake, which is unfortunate. But we don't say to them, we don't f- make teams fearful. And I, and I, I need to, it's difficult to explain. You hear me talk about the fundamentals all the time. What's there to fear in our team? You know, as you sit there now, going for that team, there's, there's, there's a couple of players that I think are showing brightness, but they haven't built their reputation up to say, I fear them. I fear those three or four. And I think we need to have that so people make adjustments for us. And at the moment, we're not going to make adjustments for them. But no one's making adjustments for us. They are fancying us. They want to play against us. It's a nice day in the, when they play against us. And, um, and and that's what's happening, right? So, um, But it, it, I'm not just judging this game because it's a hard game to judge, another 10-minute game. Right? But um, if you look back through the start of the year, Swansea fancied it, Bournemouth fancied it. They all fancy it against us. Right, that tells you something. We're doing something wrong. The makeup of our team is wrong. The makeup of the player types is wrong. And I sort of alluded to this in the after the five 0 Burnley game, Paul. I didn't want to go too deep into it because it felt churlish on Wenger's last day. But three, four days later, here we are. Right, nothing's yeah. really changed. Yeah. So, Oscar, we're beginning to touch on the topic of philosophy, management, change. Um, I guess the current state of thinking on managers and possible candidates is Allegri looks unlikely. Looks like he'll stay at Juventus or he's at least playing for a a big move somewhere. Maybe not to us. If you disagree, feel free. Um, Vier and Arteta are being floated. Um, Some other names been floated. Uh, Nagelsmann, according to Honigstein, seems like a major stretch for him to be freed up and available given release clauses and and other German politics. What's your current thinking on manager profiles and maybe even specific managers in terms of what you think this squad, this setup, or just the psychology of the club uh, requires to go into next season? Well, I'll be honest, I I have major worries about the idea of either Arteta or Vieira being the new manager. 
yeah. uh, simply for the lack of their lack of, of top level experience at, at big European clubs. I mean, yeah. For, for us to this is such an important time for the club, and to take that sort of risk on someone who's entirely unproven, in in managerial terms, to me that that's sort of crazy. I mean, not you know maybe Arteta's view very highly as a coach, but there are so many aspects of management where. It's a complete unknown how 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 he'll deal with something, how he'll perform. So, I mean, for me, I would definitely be looking at someone who has proven themselves at in a sort of Champions League or at least a Europa League level club. And then yeah. we, we, after that, we're just looking at at people who, you know, the, the values that Gazidis mentioned in in that press conference. Yeah. About bringing through younger players, playing attacking football. Uh, I mean, my personal pick is Jardim at Monaco. Yeah. Who who beat PSG who last season to the league title despite having a much inferior budget. Uh, brought through a lot of amazing young players. We helped to develop them. Scored a gazillion goals. And also, and this is something I think about with with the squad we've got. Last season he played a four four two with two strikers. In Mbappe and Falcao, and that is exactly that is the strength of our squad at the moment. We've got two top quality strikers, a couple of other good, really attacking playmakers, and I, I think we need we need a manager who's who we think can get the best out of the strengths of our current squad. Yeah, and when you uh, align him with say, because what I'm looking for is somebody who would align with uh, Sven Mislintat and scouting and bringing through talent at different age levels and Jardim obviously uh, has done that with Monaco he's not the scouting organization but he's worked with the scouting organization Uh, so you would think he would be much more on the same wavelength of our current setup than somebody like an Allegri who's used to taking a team that's ready to win or nearly ready to win make some big changes with some significant players name profile players um, and get back to winning ways with the team and it just well that I'm sure there's lots of people saying well why don't we do that then why not us but I just don't think we're right ready to win the the league next year we've got so much work to do and and uh, um, I, I don't think on the receiving end, the club's quite ready for an Allegri or a Conte throwing their toys around because they yeah, didn't I mean, get what they wanted day one. I mean, I, 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 would, I would love an Allegri type, but as you said, I think the profile of our squad compared to Juventus and the yeah. position we're in, where he's gone from a, a team who were the richest club in Italy, who could always attract the best players, sign the best players from Roma and Napoli. It's a completely different test to come and and work at Arsenal, where we're the third or fourth richest club, and we're, and we're looking for that that extra thing that's going to going to raise our level. It, it is yeah. a different test. And then you know they've still got to plug into the Arsenal environment. I'm sure lots of people want to shook up, but I'm not sure Ivan, uh, Sven, and Raúl are really ready to take a tiger by the tail out there. You know. Uh, not that I think Conte is a, a bad guy, but uh, he wasn't—he wasn't shy about saying stuff about the club, about Chelsea, and maybe he just felt he, they didn't support him as he expected them to. You know, a Mourinho, God help us, um, an Allegri, which uh, I don't think—I've never seen him behave particularly badly, but I don't uh, follow him that closely. But he'd have pretty strong ideas, and he has a, a reputation of winning that. It, Again, people would say, well, great. We wanted to get in there and throw his toys around, but I just don't think Ivan and co are quite ready for that. We might want a transition manager, but we want somebody who can kind of navigate somewhere between the two. Um, Your thoughts, Clive? Where are you at on the manager thing? Right, so um, Arteta is more of a man-manager at City. That's what he's doing. He's been that second-in-command. He's he's really bringing the best out of people emotionally. So he's not the coach, you know, the raw coach type. Um, so I know he's getting a lot of uh, plaudits. You know, he, he's going up the uh, the betting charts, but I don't think that's the right thing. 
I think Vieira, he's unknown to me. Uh, he's my favourite ever, ever Arsenal player. So, But that doesn't mean he should be managing the football club, right? So he's a bit of an unknown to me. I'm not going to comment either way. But when I look at this, as we, we're talking about, you know, you're talking about the Arsenal environment, right? So I need to just, again, sit and think about this more, more closely. We've had an Arsenal environment for 22 years that was built by this guy. And a lot of the values that he brought to our club or, or sorry, that he sustained and continued at our club, uh, they're known the world round, right? So um, and I think it's important that we sit there and think for a minute and say, well, actually, we can build upon that and change that environment and add the level of fine detail, coaching, seriousness, accountability that we need to move forward. Right, so, and I think, although I can't imagine it, because I just just can't imagine it, because I'm brainwashed for 22 years that we are a club that builds people, builds players, and is a far more patient and progressive club. I think Allegri is exactly what we need. Paul, we sat on this podcast for two, three years now, and we've spoken about the detail of coaching and tactics and formations and nuance and feeling the game. And then we're talking about young managers coming in. I'm thinking Allegri is exactly what this team needs to change our tactical outlook, flexible approaches to games, serious tactical detailed approaches to games opposition, to really think, actually, this club is serious. I think it's important that the next manager is going to tell us what we are. It's going to say, this is what Arsenal are today and this is what they want to be. And so if you hire an Allegri, you're saying, this club is serious. They want to be number one. He wouldn't come there if he's going to be supported. So they're going to have money to support him. So I want an Allegri to come for what he represents. I don't know much about him myself. I've watched little bits of, on TV and I've read about him. But he is a serious football manager. And I watched the Champions League games against Spurs and against Madrid. And what he did tackling in those games, I liked I really liked it. I liked how he changed things. I liked how he motivated his teams to do things almost above what they actually could do. I don't worry about Italy's a different a different place. There's lots of old ready-made players in Italy, especially at the top teams. I'm not worried about that. I, I'd be pleased if he wanted to challenge of coming to the Premier League where every other top manager in the world is residing. And if he decides to come to Arsenal, then throw away your preconceptions because he's coming here for a reason. And I think that means that everybody in the board, the back room, the chief executive, the recruitment, the football operations guys, they're all behind it. And so if he comes, I'm expecting a, a club that we recognise, but I'm also expecting a different club with a different culture. So I think a detailed, hard-nosed, wants-to-win Italian that can play attacking football, but also respects the defensive side of the game, is exactly what we need. Wow. Yeah. Oscar, thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I think that there's there's a lot to what Clive said. I think in the end it comes... Would he come, do you think? Uh, I think he'll come. I mean, I, I really have no... I have no I mean, inside information. And, and I mean, forgetting... Forgetting reality, forgetting what's actually going on with Juve, Juve do you think Arsenal, do you think a uh, manager in his position would come to Arsenal in our position? Because I do have a bit of a, a serious doubt that we're that they will look at us and say we're actually ready. I, mean, I could see Klopp going to Liverpool as being very equivalent to our situation. A manager who's, you know, he's done eight years at those two clubs and Mainz and uh, BVB and kind of built them from, uh, you know, the, the ground floor up in terms of where they were at yeah. and worked within the club and doesn't cause waves and, it, and builds to, you know, if there was Klopp part two, that I could see at Arsenal. It's it's not the level of the managers, the kind of project they take on. And to me, Allegri is looking for something, a club that feels like it's ready to splash the cash and is ready to go. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably right. I think I think Klopp to Liverpool always made a lot of sense because he's a sort of he built up from from the ground and relies a lot on the sort of 
the fan side and the emotional side, and I think Liverpool always a good fit for him. And that, God, with the leg, I'm not really sure. Um, as you say, it's, it's about whether he's really whether he wants to take on that challenge when he doesn't really have to when he's when he's wanted at Juventus and 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 already successful there. And it's also, yeah. I guess, it, I guess it you can see him doing on... Chelsea quicker than Arsenal, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. And also, um, if Real Madrid don't win the Champions League final, it's not impossible mm-hmm. that that they'll be looking for new managers in the summer as well. So, they'll be looking to keep his options open for for that rather than committing to Arsenal in in May. Yeah, yeah. So. What's it when the new manager looks at our team? Uh, it seems like uh, you can always improve, but the attacking area is our strong area at the moment. Maybe there's something we need to do in terms of getting a wide forward yeah. who can take players on one on one. Midfield, we're well stocked with good players, but maybe not much fit. Something we've talked about a lot on on the pod over the over recent times and we've talked a lot about Granit Xhaka I'd love to get your ideas on Granit Xhaka midfield his season and also what what we need to do around him because um, you know he's played every game basically like Mustafi <laughs> you know they've a lot in common uh, they've they've had a lot of people pull the hair out uh, you could say Chaka's more steady but uh, god bless them they've both partnered up with a lot of different players uh, played basically every game, almost every minute, um, taken some abuse along the way, some of it quite fair. Uh, Mustafi's been partner, partnered up with every kid we've got and uh, a creaking Koscielny, but he's he's dug his own hole a few times too, pardon my French. Um, but I do see a certain equivalence there. When you look at Granit Xhaka, given that he's our most likely starting midfielder to be with us next year how do you what do you think the Grand Chaka problem is how do you think he's been doing lately it seems like he's picked up and what do you think the fix is what's a manager do to fix that uh, so, so yeah I, I think I, I, I've been a fan of him since his Gladbach days so, so I'll, I'll try yeah. to keep a sort of a close eye on his performances for Arsenal I thought last season he got a lot of unfair criticism to us. I thought yeah, he wasn't amazing for most of the season, but I thought he was he was pretty good for most of the season and obviously finished it really, really strongly. And I was really happy when he put in that, that, that quality performance in the FA Cup final. This season, for the first half of the season, you can't get away from the fact that he was pretty damn dreadful. You know, the yeah. defensive lapses... He wasn't alone. Lapses of but... but I mean, what stuck out more to me is that his passing wasn't wasn't particularly great either. He wasn't progressing the ball like he was the previous year, and he was giving the ball away a lot more. But I, I think since that Swansea game where he where where he watched Lucas run past him for the equaliser, I think since then he's really come come back some to form somewhat. Um, I think he's been stronger and stronger since then in the last few months. I thought he was probably our best player. In over the across the two legs against Atletico, and given his age and the fact that he is he never gets injured, he's one of the few players I think we can we can rely on over the next two or three seasons. He's got a long contract, twenty five years of age, never gets injured. We don't have many of those players in the in midfield, uh, so so I, I think. Unless you know, unless someone comes in for big money off him, which I don't think is gonna gonna happen, we're sort of stuck with him. But he's sort of also the person that he's the best person we've got we've got to build around at the moment. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I mean, he's, he's really started to show off his swinging the ball left and right, and then pinging it up the middle quite aggressively. In the last few games, as his confidence build, he seems uh, yeah, a lot I mean, sparkier, quicker. I mean, the season, he just wasn't hitting as many long passes or line-breaking passes, and he, he, he's he started to do a lot yeah. more over the last couple of months. I'd go, I'd, I'd go a little but bit further, you, Paul. I would actually say, yeah, that if if you ask me who our player of the year is, I would say it's him. 
I I, I think think about it right. He's 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 fairly consistent. He plays every game, and I mean every game, right? And um, and I, I for me, I think he's he's been a, he's when I look at him, I see a, someone that's got a clear clarity about what he's trying to do on the pitch. And the only time when he plays bad, I felt was when he first got with Jack. I think there was a bit of a, I said before, a bit of a dance off about who's going to push forward. And I think we found his positioning was off. He was receiving the ball in bad areas and then his passing was off. Now he's got the game in front of him consistently and he's consistently the deepest player. He's not trying to go into the number 10 position and rotate with somebody else. He's just saying, I've got this. I'm going to be the deepest player and I'm going to set us off. And since he's done that consistently, he's looked more consistent. So, um, so yeah, I would say he's our player of the year and I absolutely agree with Oscar. We need to build around him. Everything else we have in our midfield are these multi-positional players who can play different roles, who can play a little bit higher, can play 10. We've got lots of 10 eights, but this guy's turning into a six, right? He's turning into that player. And the rest of them can rotate left and right and, and further forward. So, yeah, for me, he's the yeah. he's the foundation stone. If the major new major agrees, I think I think the claim. Yeah, Clive, can I give you my player of the year quickly? Obama Yang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I what don't you're thinking. But, maybe but, maybe your year no, is probably on. actually top he, five. To be fair, <laughs> I think. Yeah. No, hang on, hang on. Here's my logic. If you can pick Chaka, given that he was <laughs> shit for three quarters no. of the season, but well, really good think, at the end. I don't think he Obama was. Obama Yang I don't, was brilliant since Christmas he, and wasn't shit I don't shit think before. he was bad before Christmas. I think he. I think there's a narrative yeah. around Chaka. People, when he came over, he came over with his fiery reputation. People wanted a defensive midfielder. They didn't really understand what we had. We haven't surrounded him appropriately. We've surrounded him with a very uh, attacking midfielder. When he plays for Switzerland, he has a more defensive workhorse next to him, which covers up some of his defensive weaknesses. And when he gets a bit tired on occasion, at Arsenal, we ask him to drive the car, put the petrol in, sweep the car, then polish the car. We ask him to do everything, right? And then, and he looks around, there's no one near him. On those occasions, he can break, you know? So, um, but yeah, for me, he's the one. And he has described himself as a false yeah. 10. I'd be interested to see what uh, what Oscar thinks he is or will become uh, and how we supplement yeah, so I them. I think the, the clarity of bold is, is very important there, which Clive touched upon. Um, I, I think that's why a lot of people aren't massive fans of, of him partnering Ramsey, but I really like it because when the two play together, you've got very clearly defined spaces where they play. Ramsey pushes forward, Jacka sits and controls the area in front of the defence. I think that's that's perfectly what you're suited to. Um, Do you I, think he controls it well enough? I, I'm always but, in two minds about him. I don't think it's all his but, fault, the gaps yeah, that Yeah, I mean, look, we can see the 50 goals this season, so there's clearly a lot of really need to work on defensively. And I think that is, is something you can think about instead of... You, he's... His biggest weakness is that he's not he's not a great athlete. So ideally, you, yeah. you would want someone next to him who can who can run a lot defensively and carry the, have carry the ball forward because he can move the ball forward with his passing, but he can't really carry the ball forward like a Cazorla or a Wilshire can. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Do you like the idea of a mature Maitland Niles? Yeah, him? very much so to us because. He, he he fits the the bill as 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 an athlete and as a technician, ideally. But. Yep, that, that well, he's dead right. He's just dead right. And and then when people say the player we need is exactly that player, somebody who can who switched on on defensive recoveries, but can travel with the ball offensively, right? But what we do, and it's not, and this this has always been my sort of Ramsey issue. We play somebody who breaks. Yeah. And that's that's why I'm telling you, mate, that's why we're conceding. We have the holes in the middle of the pitch because we break without secure possession. Right? So Ramsey Ramsey Clive reminds me of a Vietnam vet. You know, every time the phone ring, rings, he hops up and runs out of the room. Yeah, but when it works, when he sticks in the bottom corner, right, we all say, oh, what a, what a, what a great goal, right? And me included, right? But stylistically, yeah. I've always said it. I've been consistent, Paul. Stylistically, we don't dominate the opponent, 
we don't dominate the space. It's as simple as that. We have good players dashing around my TV screen, shooting off, rotating different angles. As soon as we lose it, it's like it's like the red arrows going backwards, right? Trying to recover, tackling from behind. Yeah. People say to me, but he's made seven tackles. I say, yeah, and I look again, and I see about four of them were coming back coming back from <laughs> from top of the pitch, right, to make the recovery tackle. It's not what you want. It's not dominating the space, right? So I, one of the best midfield performances I've seen him have was Chelsea away. I said it before. He stayed in that central area and he dominated it. And I, I wish he would play more like that more often. But he sees himself as somebody who can score goals, which he does. But he's not scoring in Lampard's 20s. He's scoring 10, right? And he's scoring twos and threes against weak teams in one game. It's not enough for the price we pay for not controlling the midfield area, in my opinion. And stylistically, we need to do something else. And so we come back to the choice. Who are we going to build around? For me, it's, you know, based on what I've seen this season, I see one player with a clear role, clearly defined, I see lots of other players that overlap in, in, in attributes. And so, for me, the one that's got a clear role is the one we build around. Yeah. But, Oscar, coming, rounding that off then, I still I was hoping to feel really good having talked about Chaka, but it still sounds to me like, uh, while I agree with you, I, I often like the performances of him and Ramsey against the best teams under pressure, pressed in midfield, I still think that midfield two loses out against the strongest teams. Not that they shouldn't both be playing on the pitch, but if that's your two, if they're the two pivots or whatever, um, I still feel you need somebody uh, who can give... Although he's supposed to be our deepest player, he still needs cover, and he needs somebody who can play out under pressure, an idealized Maitland-Niles kind of player. Am I wrong there? Is there another way? Is there a way of getting a Maitland-Niles, Chaka and Ramsey into our team where we're still playing the kind of football we want to play? Uh, well, I think you're right in that that's the player we, we need. And I think in the transfer window, that's, that has to be one of the priorities. Yeah. But 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 the, the interesting is, is to make things more interesting is Ramsey's contract situation where... Mm. If he doesn't sign a contract this, this summer, then we're in a position where we're probably going to have to sell him. So, yeah, I mean that completely reshapes what what we're doing now. Sure, and so it, I do feel like somebody's got to go. You know, if, yeah. if Jack's staying, I thought Jack was going, but if Jack's staying, um, I mean he's not staying necessarily as a starter, but man, it, it ain't easy not to pick Academy Jack. Uh, Jack Academy, I guess, um, if he's playing half decent, um, given you know his relationship within the club and the supporters and stuff is kind of, um, I mean, you hope the new manager is just going to pick who the team that needs to be picked for the game, and there's more rotation, which will be a a big Philip next year, but somebody's got to go to make the space. Yes, we'll lose Santi, um, by all accounts, but still. Uh, Santi wasn't starting this year, um, so you know where's where's the wiggle room? How do we get that player in there? If we sign the, as you said, Ramsey may be off, um, and maybe that makes the decision for us. But the the man, the new manager needs to be able to make a play to reshape midfield. We uh, we've seen Ramsey and Chaka this year, and it, it wasn't enough. And yes, we could go into the market for an extra player. Um, so, Oscar, you got fifty million war chest. You got to look at least at maybe a uh, a DMCM type player for midfield. Uh, you know, Mustafi may stay or go, but if if he goes, we got no senior centre backs left in the team. Uh, they're all kids. Uh, we got Nacho, but he's still truly a a, a left back. Um, and people think we need to do something about the goalkeeper. I'd argue uh, check when he's been fit and when he hasn't been worried about the clean sheet record while everybody uh, and getting demoralized about the fact that it's been 10 games. We can't get a clean sheet. I mean, his, t- his form seemed to take a real dip 
through all of that. But lately, he seems like he's picked up a bit. I'm not sure that's where I spend some chunk of my 50 million. Um, where, where do you look if if you're still committed to a CMDM? Where do you look to spend in your money? Uh, so I, th- I think you're probably right about the goalkeeper actually, and I know it's not going to be popular with a lot of people who who, re- who really want a goalkeeper. If the reports about how how little money we have to spend the summer too, then I just, I just don't see how we fill all the holes that we need. We we need a a midfielder. We certainly need a centre back with Murtaka going and Koscielny getting injured. And, and Christ, look at our, our defensive record this season. We need one anyway. Um, and I'm I'm just not yeah, so sure where you, I'm players. just not sure where you get going. I mean, you you want to get a, a a winger in as well, a proper winger, as you alluded to earlier. Yeah, so there's so four. I'm just not and sure you where want seasoned I'm just players. not sure where you get the money for the for the goalkeeper. Yeah, that's 120 million, and we often turn a profit on our war chest. I mean, shit, <laughs> we came out ahead after we sold uh, uh, Oxley Chamberlain last year in, in the summer. I know things got redressed a little bit at, in January, and I know that wasn't really the plan. We thought we were going to sell Alexis and do you know go big for Lamar and all that kind of stuff but that that happens in summers so just we may not end up fully set, uh, spending this 50 million we may to expand it we may have to sell somebody maybe Hector is saying all the right things in the press this last week but maybe you know maybe he's he's trying to get the spotlight off him maybe he'll go maybe Ramsey would go so the thing and is, we'll bump up the numbers. If you sell Bellerin, yeah. you still have to, you'd have to then sign a new right back, and they're still going to make make the miles sure. the starting right yep. back. So to me, that's yeah, to oh, me that's never seemed like a like a sort of a funds making option, really. No, and I mean, I I think it would much more he, likely to be Ramsey. Yeah, he did, given, I mean, given his injury issues and the fact that we probably need a midfielder anyway. Yeah, I've always felt that. So I've always felt that between. There's always going to be a tussle between Oxlade Chamberlain, Jack, and Ramsey, and I, I felt that three of them wouldn't survive it. Right, so the Ox has gone already, and I thought Jack would go. Actually, I thought Ramsey would win the, win that, and be part of the rebuild. I, I heard he wants to be part of the rebuild. There's a contract offer on the table, but if I'm the new manager and I've got to raise funds, and this is also this is all conjecture and rumor. I would look at the attributes of the players I have and think, well, I have players that could potentially do the Ramsey role. I don't have players who can do the Bellerin role. I've only got one Bellerin, right? So um, why do why would I sell that player, right? So um, so yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. So that's it could happen. And even, Clive, even the money. I mean, we haven't seen what they'd offered for Bellerin, but the money. Uh, Twitter's been talking about it for him. I mean, forty million or something in that range. Who's, I mean, who's going to buy him for forty million? The, the only team that could yeah, buy him for forty. And what do you, yeah, the market. I was just going to say we'd have to buy somebody for for forty or fifty million to get a good right back. So it's like, why do that? Exactly. So we're looking at according to the, according to the rumors today, looking at PSG's um, second left back at twenty plus million, right? So um, and. It looks like a bargain to us because we've got all the money in the, in, in the Premier League. But, you know, there's no market out there for for players that are not in the Champions League unless they've got something special. If they are, then they're, they're gone, right? So there's no market. There is no market. Who Only Barcelona can offer a decent chunk of change for him, right? Juventus, are they going to spend... They don't, spend, they don't spend those They're not going to do, do that, right? So don't worry about that. I think he'll be there. The Ramsey's a different option. He's a if he he could go inside the UK because he's homegrown and that that gives him a value. There's always been rumours of Barcelona. They they look a bit leggy in midfield. I actually I truly believe he would do really really well in a slower league, in a league where where running into spaces where you're allowed to progress the ball up the pitch and what you do in a final third is really is really important. I think in a final third. Then our, our, my views on Ramsey completely changes, but we pick him as a centre midfielder, and that's where that's where my issue is. In the final third, mate, you can't track him with GPS, right? He's gone, right? So he's very hard, and they love that in Italy, and they love that in Spain, that extra movement around the box, where he's really, really good, right? So 
So, yeah, I, I, if I was Ramsey, I would think about it. But he could be captain next year with a new 200 grand a week contract. We just don't know. It's all, it's all conjecture. Yeah, and with the players who are moving off, uh, God, God rest their souls. I mean, you look at, like, Mertesacker, uh, Cazorla. Uh, it's not long before you think, well, we have the money. You know, we can pay the wages. I know there's the limits on what you can increase it by the 7% or whatever, but I think with a, a little little bit of a shell game, we can certainly pay the wages to keep Ramsey. And if I were, this is a big contract for him, so I'd be kind of making noises that I was you know, kind of looking at my options and he's seen what Ozil's on and he sees himself as, he should see himself as one of our key players and, and one of our star the players. The key thing is, Paul, is so, his injury though, mate. You know, his yeah. injury, you yeah. can't, you're, you're looking at an asset here that you can't play three times a week. Yeah, yeah. We, we got one in Jack that couldn't walk through an airport security without the metal thing going off, the metal detector going off, because all the pins in his ankles. So we've got we've got two players there that we're going to invest maybe £30,000 a week in. I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, OK, if I'm a, from a business perspective, yeah, I mean, there was some... That I, I think was, I saw something on uh, on Twitter the other day. It didn't surprise me. I think it comes from 7am kickoff, and he did the minutes that Ozil's missed since, I think, 2014. And the minutes that Ramsey's missed, and I think Ramsey had missed something like 1,900 minutes or something like that. It's the equivalent of 63 games. I probably got those numbers wrong. Look it up. 70 and kick off the tweet. And Ozil had missed something like 1,400 minutes, right? So, and yet there was the impression that Ozil always misses games. Now, you got you got to think about this. This is your asset. He's at 27. These injuries do not improve as they get older. So you have to make a decision at some point, right? And But if we want to play, you know, if we want to invest in him, then we have to build something that really suits him and not ask him to do two jobs like we ask him to do now, to go up and down the midfield and score goals. It's, it's just not going to work. And so, um, so yeah, stylistically, I'd love to see him change, but he won't because that's what he likes to do. So we need to either put him to areas where he can be himself or we need to think about the future and say from a business point of view it might be the best thing to do. Yeah. And a new manager is going to come in and say, he's either going to think, I really want Aaron Ramsey to be the linchpin in my midfield, or I really don't want it because, you you know, he's not a player you keep around and don't play. So I mean, it's going to be very interesting. That's the, I, I think things change dramatically. One, inter- one of the, the interesting things is we don't know, yeah, as he alludes to, we don't know who the new manager is going to like and who he's not going to like. Yeah, exactly. We've had Vega yeah. so long, we know the players he likes, the players he doesn't like as much. So We know that he, we know that he so loves Ram. It's easy to fall into we that know, thinking. We know that yeah. he loves Wilshire, but the new manager might just not, so it does change yeah, things. Yeah. The new manager might come in and sell a Bamiyang, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and buy Daru back. Just to piss off Elliot, right? So, um, so that's like, so he might do that. So we just don't know. Joel Campbell incoming. Yeah, all, all those load, all those lone players like Campbell and Lucas Perez, going to become starters next season under the manager. You never know. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be very interesting. Um, so, any final words on on moves we need to make over the summer? For any rational manager incoming, any final manager thoughts? I, I think um, on 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 moves for me, I, I am I am one for a goalkeeper. I don't mind Czech staying. Uh, I think he's, he's he's great, but I think we need a, a goalkeeper, and Czech can maybe help settle them in. I want to see. What about pulling Emmy back in? Yeah, With I don't Czech think he's playing. Start. I looked earlier. He's played five games for Getafe this season. Yeah, I don't think he's playing. That loan has not worked out, right? So he's 25 now, I believe. So um, he's not a kid. He needs to really make his next move work because he's not playing enough games. Uh, I think a UK loan would be better for him, right? So I'm not sure what he's doing out there. Um, I think we need a new goalkeeper. We need. I'd like to see two centre halves come in. Uh, definitely, yeah. I'd like a well, new left back come in, and I. <laughs> A whole new back four, basically back five. What, but what, but what you couldn't have a new you can left spend on each back. of these players. Yeah, well, I don't believe the fifty million rumor. I I wouldn't go out and say we've got two hundred, but I wouldn't say 
you know, it's just that's just that's just hedging, right? That's just positioning. Yep. Um, Clive will not be restrained. No, we're looking at this young Turkish centre back for thirty million euros. We got the we got holding in chambers. I think one of those may go either on loan or sold, right? So, and I, I we do need to buy somebody. Somebody maybe maybe with Mustafi with Koscielny going well not going but won't see until the FA Cup third round in January. I, I definitely think we need to buy somebody serious in that of, of age, right? So um, so two centre backs for me. Listen, Clive, Clive, you cannot have a left back because you've got Nacho and you got uh, Kalasinac and you want a shitload of other players. Yeah. So you're not having. Yeah, them. I, I'm, I'm well, sorry. Unless mate. you give I've already, somebody. I've already up. decided. I've already <laughs> decided. Right? Well, and you're getting the keeper. Yeah, getting the keeper. I I I, lo- I would love the idea of a of a. A right winger with a left foot. Do you know what I mean? A dribbler that can really drive and score from that side. Well, I guess we we could sort off and stick it back on the yeah, other side. Yeah, we we haven't got that left-footed flyer up front. Right? We we need that player just yeah. to balance us out. We can move things around. That's a hole in the squad. So, so so how many players? I'm not, is I'm that not, then, I'm not, I've not got a set in midfield yet. You're not right? counting. So, uh, I'm saying in midfield. I would like uh, definitely one. <laughs> Um, I like yep. I like the idea of that of that Max Mayer. I like the idea of that, but I also yeah. I would. This is just me. I, I like a more physical player in there as well. But um, the game is changing. I'm I'm conscious of that, so I'm more looking at rather than the big Vieira type because it makes me feel comfortable. You should always look at your sprinting speed and ability to get to the ball. That's where the game is changing. Not so much size. It's agility, speed, change direction. And I think you don't need to be six foot three to do that, right? So um, I think our ability to sprint, we are slow. We have to speed up. So whatever we do is sprinting speed, intensity, repeat sprints. That means when, as Oscar alluded to earlier, when we played Everton and Man City away in that dreadful week a year and a half ago, whenever it was, they outrun us in second half of both games. And that was the that was the bell saying we are... We've got a problem, and we haven't listened to that ringing sound yet. Okay, so Clive wants six players apparently. Oscar, how many? Do a quick count there. Where, where you want a forward? You want a midfielder? Anything else? It's on me or Oscar. Uh, sorry, Oscar. Yeah. Uh, probably one centre back, if not two. At least one midfielder, one Come winger. On, my son, coming to my house where we spend money. <laughs> we, we have got a lot that we need to do, to be fair. So let's just do it. I've lost on the goalkeeper. Oh six. So. I'd say six. I, I just. <laughs> No, I I don't think we got not, six. Not, Clive's not got to, six because he's deluded. I say six. We're, we're gonna we're gonna lose about ten. Let's go into the squad. You know, we're gonna lose. We're gonna lose about. You know, you think about you know Perez, Campbell, Jenkinson, Murtasaka, Ospina. You can you got Santi probably. There's there's names we can lose a lot of players out of squad and we wouldn't remember half of them, right? So um, and so yeah, we need well, to well, add. Like I say, Clive, we've got the wages, but what we may not have is the fees. Don't Santi doesn't don't get you Don't believe anything. what you read in the papers, mate. <laughs> Trust me. Right. You're at 180 million if you just spent 30 million on each of the players. Well, we found a Greek centre back for 1.8 million, right? So let's just see what happens. And for, he got us red carded. Yeah, well, we, we, the world—it's all about stealing those free transfers. That's what it's about, you know. A lot more and more players are running down their contracts, and there's a few out there. Max Mayer. Yeah, there's a few out there, and that's that's the way to do business now. That's the way. All right, six free transfers it is. Solves all our problems. Shuts me up. All right. Uh, any more for any more? We all We're good? good, mate. We're good. Good. You saw that bit on Arson saying talking about the trees at Colney, did you? No, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I've been away at work this week. Have a read of it. It's quite uh, got me quite choked up in a read. He. He was he was been asked what's his final week look like, and he says, "Well, we tw- we planted twenty thousand trees at Colney, something along, along those lines." He saw them were when they were little babies. Now they're fully grown trees, and he's going to say goodbye to every one of them. And 
he comes back, he goes to France, Paris for a couple of days, comes back on Wednesday, Thursday, I think it is, to clear out his desk, say goodbye, and then that's it. It's quite sad. He's sad. He's sad. He is sad. But um, it didn't need to be this way, right? But it is, and um, um, it's just the way it is. And I'm hopeful that maybe one day he can come back in a different role. You never know. Yeah. I'm such a sad case, Oscar. When I was your age, I had a girlfriend. I was with her for six years. We broke up like five times. I'd break up. I'd get back together with her. She'd break up with me. Uh, she'd get maybe I begged her to let me back anyway she'd get back together with me and then I had another relationship after that same bloody thing and I'm basically just like that with Arson <laughs> I'm uh, I want to change but man You're... every time I think about a manager he sounds awfully like Arson but doesn't lose that's basically <laughs> what I've come down to keep the same philosophy keep the same players apparently he's something you like know, 50 apparently so he's 50 to 1 to be our dear manager Finger. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> really? I can get that at 50 to 1? That's my that could, that could be the title of the podcast, right? There. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great, guys. So, Oscar, really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and helping no out. Otherwise, anytime, mate. And, Clive, as always, you were eruditely eruditious with your erudity. Wow. Thank you. Educated me every single day we meet. <laughs> I am de-educating you, but uh, that's it from the Arsenal Vision podcast. Thanks everybody. And uh, next time round, I'm sure we might resurrect Elliot. Uh, tell Tim to put down his blog and pick up his microphone, and uh, we'll see you after our final game of the season. Thank you very much, everybody. Yeah.